0: Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of IFN Podcast. My name is Minita Tan, the Managing Editor of Islamic Finance News. In today's episode, we speak to Jennifer Schwalbenberg, Chief Governance Officer of Digicap Group a market-leading Islamic intermediary firm which has positioned sustainable and ethical finance as its driving force. Jennifer elaborates how the UN PRI signatory is tackling the Islamic sustainability agenda, which could perhaps be an example for other market players. So, hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we have an exciting topic. We're going to talk about Islamic sustainable investment um, and excited to have DidiCap on board. I think for our listeners' sake, perhaps you can paint us a picture or start us off. We really, how does DidiCap as an Islamic intermediary um, player fit into the Islamic sustainable investment narrative?
0: Oh, thank you so much, Vanita, for inviting me. And, and DidiCap is so excited to be participating. And this initiative. So, as you know, DDCAP is a market intermediary and a financial technology solutions provider which connects the global Islamic financial marketplace responsibly. And we really aspire to provide best in class, responsible, and sustainable solutions to our clients. And we support awareness of the business and ethical case for responsible finance um, through our sustainable and responsible actions program and policies. And that's SRA is really how we address ESG considerations. DDCAP has publicly made the commitment to develop a more sustainable, equitable, and prosperous world. And we support the view that those in business must adopt strategies to deliver not only financial results, but also social and environmental outcomes. And in furtherance of that, DDCAP has been a service provider signatory to the UNPRI, the UN Principles for Responsible Investment, since 2016. And in 2020, we became a stakeholder endorser of the UN Principles for Responsible Banking. And our own commitment to our SRA program is reinforced on an ongoing basis across our corporate environment and infrastructure, our business offerings, and through our engagement with third parties and our, our service providers. Even our contractual undertakings with clients and vendors confirm our adherence to our SRA policies. And we advise our counterparties that we will spread awareness by promoting responsible practices through our own actions.
1: It's very obvious that DDCAP has a very strong sustainable focus. And you've also mentioned in brief about putting together policies and strategies. Can you tell us a bit more about in detail what, what those policies and strategies are? And you know, have we seen any tangible results? And if so, you know what are they?
0: Um, we've really taken uh, some years to build our strategy, but we've made sure that it's been formed from the top down and the bottom up. So getting shareholder approval and policy set by the board. And then also, as I said, from the ground up, ensuring that members of DDCAP are globally informed, or DDCAP across the organization are globally informed and really feel that they have input into the decision making processes and I'll add that we've always been supported in this from our own Sharia supervisory board, within which we have a sustainability champion. So you, you know, you've asked how we've, you know, what are the tangible results? Um, and so we very much see ESG as part of our corporate culture. And I, I'm using SRA and ESG um, almost interchangeably, but as I said, SRA is really how we um, deliver our ESG and sustainability considerations uh, across the company. Um, we have a specific working group dedicated to SRA um, policies and procedures, and that drives the agenda across the organization. And through that, we have ESG matters as a standing agenda item at board, at the XCOM and at market risk, at the market risk committee. We've reviewed the terms of reference for all committees and working groups and added an appropriate ESG focused agenda item. ESG is included in senior management's annual annual objectives, um, those of their direct reports. And because we have this structure in place, when we consider new SRA ESG in, in, initiatives, we really look to see where it fits within the existing infrastructure. We review the totality of, of what we have and what we want to do, and we see where we have resource to house it so that it can be incorporated and really flourish. And through this strategy, We've incorporated sustainability considerations across our procurement function. We've strengthened ESG engagement with our commodity suppliers. We've enhanced the governance considerations offered to clients on our plastic asset facilitation program, Ethos AFP. And it's really evolving the sustainability considerations that are embedded in that platform. And as I mentioned above, we've reviewed our commercial and corporate contract relationships to con- include, these, um, include these considerations as well. Additionally, as you know, and this is something that we're very excited about, we've recently opened a new representative office in Bahrain. And, and what this does is, in effect, it expands our geographic footprint to reduce our carbon footprint, because we now have representative offices in KL, in Dubai, and Bahrain, and we can focus more on regional travel from these offices and take fewer long-haul flights. And that's something that we're very encouraged by.
1: I think what I find really interesting is the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, DDCap uh, is a UN PRI signatory, one of, I would say, a handful of Islamic finance-related institutions to do so globally. My question is, I'm curious to know really, why do you think there are so few Islamic finance institutions who actually made such a commitment?
0: No, it's really interesting that you mention that and... As, as we've discussed in 2016, we became the first provider of asset facilitation services focused on Sharia compliant products to become a service provider signatory, and we were proud to be the first Islamic financial sector service provider to be awarded this status. And at the time, we were amongst amongst just three signatories from the industry in total. Um, you know, fast forward to, to 2021, and we are in active dialogue with the PRI in regard to its engagement with service provider signatories. And with regard to increasing its outreach, particularly with smaller organizations within the Islamic finance sector in Southeast Asia and the MENA region, um, and we're really passionate about this because becoming a PRI signatory has allowed DD Cap to align with a global framework and get support from similarly aligned global ne- from a similarly aligned global network um, to dedicate resources to meet the qualifications and reporting standards, and to send a message out to other members of our industry that this is the direction of travel. And through all of this, it's been encouraging to see how many Islamic financial industry stakeholders, including our standard setting and best practice organizations like IIFSB, IOFI, IFM, Sabafi, and their leadership, to see how through these, over these, these years, they've embraced the UN SDGs and the broader ESG initiative. And this momentum really began, as you'll know, with the s Of ESG, with the social aspect. And I think as sustainable finance gathers pace and matures with increased focus on the ENG of ESG, as well as as the existing S, and that coupled with increased engagement by the PRI, I think we will see an increase in signatories. I think it's just a matter of time because the, the value add will become more apparent as these initiatives grow through the region.
1: For DDCAP, I think being and uh, being in the Islam, operating in the Islamic finance space, sustainability or, or being ethical has always been embedded in DDCAP's DNA. Um, but surely there will also be challenges, right, in really truly adopting and implementing a sustainability agenda. Could you please elaborate on certain issues or hurdles that that, that your firm faces?
0: I think the key, the key point here are stakeholders, both internal and external. And first, you need to get internal stakeholder buy-in. Um, your organization from the top down and the bottom up, they need to understand what you're doing, why you want to do it, and also how you plan to do it. And with the increased communication, you'll see the engagement increase because they'll understand what you're doing and why. And the second is engagement with external stakeholders. And we, you know, we need to ensure that the people we are working with, you know, our DDCAP's extensive client list and our strategic partners are also on the same page. And because we work across many different jurisdictions, we acknowledge that clients across jurisdictions, even within jurisdictions, may vary quite widely and what they see as acceptable and unacceptable or where they just are at different stages of their sustainability journey. And we consistently work towards the goal of standardized documentation across the industry. It's something that that we, we, we champion. And that documentation is documentation that includes our SRA considerations. But we recognize that this is not a straight path and we'll continue to engage on this with external stakeholders.
1: So in your experience and you know in your opinion what else can we do to encourage more corporates or more financial institutions to not only commit towards you know the sustainable finance agenda but also really to live up to this commitment.
0: I think as the, stra- the the strength of this agenda in the markets increases And that momentum builds. We'll see the different institutions increasing their offerings and their options to the market. And it will be it'll be organic because as the sustainable finance agenda grows and the products and services and practices become more prevalent, institutions will become more cognizant of this. And they will realize they will miss opportunities and be at a disadvantage if they don't participate and that it will become it will be recognized as the new normal, and commitment will follow. I mean, just see what we've seen. Just if we look back and see what we've experienced over the past few years, and and really that the momentum that grew in the run up to COP and the net zero commitments, they have seen a lot of change. And, and you see the governments taking in some places. You see the governments taking steps more than the the corporates. In other places, you see it being led by the corporates. And I think the two will will come together. Um, in DDCAP, we're, we will continue and encourage clients to engage with this agenda, again, You know very much through the use of documentation. We've seen this, this momentum change and this attitude change from where we are. And as discussed previously, we, we introduced this language into our contracts in 2018. And this has been a catalyst of discussion with our clients and counterparties. And the initial uptake was cautious. But over the past three years, we've really seen rapid escalation in acceptance, in acceptance and engagement particularly with law firms and with regard to structured and syndicated documentation, which in the beginning, we were almost hesitant to introduce, the, to introduce the clausing to. And so we've really seen from this perspective, we've really seen the momentum over the past three years develop from counterparties and their advisors showing a bit of hesitation to just a lack of negative response and, and just accepting it. And to now we're seeing positive, really positive response in the acceptance and proactive inclusion of the language. And so it's all very encouraging because even just on this one metric, we've seen such change in three years. And I think that that's really going to show what, you know, the next three years, especially coming after COP26, really showing what the next three years could bring.
1: So Jennifer, it's interesting that you bring up COP26, which is obviously the world's most important platform for climate change. Of course, it's not without its criticisms. What are your thoughts on this year's proceedings? You know, Are there any outcomes or developments that the Islamic finance community should take note of? Or are there any developments that would influence the Islamic sustainable finance agenda?
0: Well, I think the COP uh, co- president, Delok Sharma's is- and in his final words on Saturday's press statement, uh, the hard work starts now. We have all the commitments, and the intentions written in, written down. And we had two weeks of of moving intentions and, and and wonderful announcements, but now we need to put that into reality and make it happen. It's no longer about goals and aspirations. It really needs to be about action. And, and with this, I think there really is a key role in the Islamic finance agenda for green finance, uh, but also transition finance. I mean, right now, we've had less than 20 transition bonds and even fewer transition sukuk. And before COP 26, estimates suggested that we needed an annual about seven trillion in infrastructure investment in between one and a half and four for energy transition to meet the Paris targets. And with the commitments of the Glasgow Climate Pact, I'm sure those numbers will have only increased and there isn't sufficient public funds to satisfy this. So private capital really is vital. Uh, and this presents a considerable opportunity for the Islamic capital markets to mobilize funding. And it's also a very unique opportunity for Islamic finance. Um, you know, We're all more familiar now with the concept of a just transition than we were two weeks ago. And there really is that need to mobilize capital to innovating for the lower carbon future, but without creating severe economic impact, uh, particularly to the developing world. And Islamic finance is as a proxy and an entry point to to the global south, um, which unfortunately is disproportionately vulnerable to climate change and significantly impacted by decarbonization. So in this regard, the global finance community, and in particular, the Islamic capital markets really have the opportunity and, and maybe even the responsibility to help accelerate this transition to a less carbon-intensive economy. And they have the opportunity to, to, to come in and, and be stewards of this change and, and really set the direction of travel.
1: And what is your market outlook for Islamic sustainable investment? Also, can we expect to see more you know, initiatives from DidiCat next year?
0: The market outlook is positive. You know, we see more and more institutions working to grow what you know, grow what they're offering in the sustainability side and expand further into the sustainable finance space. And we really do have hope that there will be ever increasing engagement from the industry with regard to sustainability and responsibility considerations, because there is so much response. There's so much synergy between the Macau Saudal Sharia and ESG considerations. And as far you know, at home at, at DDCAP. The significance we place on on companies' sustainable and responsible business on our SRA program and how we engage with clients for market development will only continue to evolve in the coming years. We're aware of the importance of this to our internal, external, internal and external stakeholders, to our employees, to our clients, and the importance of this to the health and betterment of, of people and, and planet generally. So we really are committed to do all that we can do in our role in the industry and to support this initiative and encourage it forward.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much Jennifer. It was a pleasure having you here today.
0: Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.